0: Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Kingsway Christian Church. Uh, my name is Matt Nickerson, and I'm the lead pastor here for Kingsway. We've been in a series all about freedom, and uh, now we find ourselves for the next two weeks really talking about fear and freedom and how those two things go together as it relates to our faith. Let's start with this question. right? What are you most afraid of? Some of you out there, there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of phobias. If you Google them, some of them are funny to read, and some of you may have some of those phobias. But here's three things I know I hear that people are afraid of. How about this, storms, tornadoes, hurricanes, thunder, lightning. Perhaps some of the children watching this right now can relate with that one. Me, personally, I love storms. There's nothing better than a Sunday afternoon nap with the thunder rolling overhead, football on the TV. That's a good day right there. How about this one, though? Recently, I was tagged in a Facebook post by a friend and a member here named Mishler, and uh, he was asked the question, if you had to spend a night in a house like this, who would you want with you? And I think he chose me. I think he thought maybe, uh, maybe I could chase the ghost out or something, I don't know. Me personally, I'd choose Luke Kageris, one of our uh, members. Uh, if you guys, those of you at home may know Luke because I want to hear Luke scream all night. But some of you look at a place like that and you think about all the noises and the sounds and the darkness. Some of you are afraid to go into a room all by yourself, into the attic or maybe into the basement, whatever it is, because who knows what lure learn- in the dark, and then there's some of you who are afraid of clowns. Yes, I know that's silly, and yet some of you are like, That's not silly, clowns are scary. Well, the reality is, we all have fears of some sort or another. We all have anxieties. And what I want to do is take a look at a passage specifically about one specific kind of fear, the fear of man. And what does that mean? Because I want to apply that bigger in a more grand way, specifically to say this coronavirus, the economy, your jobs, whatever it is, as we take a look. Let's go and jump into our text today. This is going to be in um, Matthew chapter 10. We're going to start in verse 16. Here's what Jesus says, right? Jesus says, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it at that time you will be given what to say for it will not be you speaking but the spirit of your father speaking through you now let's talk about what's going on in the context before we start to apply it to ourselves today Matthew chapter 10 is all about Jesus choosing the 12 disciples. The 12 disciples would later become the pillars, the foundation of the church. They'd become the apostles. The word apostle literally means the sent ones. They would be the ones that Jesus would pour his life into. He would give all the teaching and training and understanding about who he is, what his kingdom's like, and then he would send them out into the world. But now that he's sending them out, He's beginning to prepare them for what they will experience. The vast, vast majority of what it is experienced here, they actually go through in literal detail, but they go through it later on after his death and after his resurrection. So he's preparing them. And one of the things he says to them, I find so powerful, it's right here at the end, around verse 20. And he says, when it comes time and you're put on trial, don't worry. Don't worry about what you're going to say or how you're going to say it. Because in that moment, the Spirit's going to take over. Now, you may not get anything else out of the rest of this message today, but I want you to get this one. God is with you, and He's for you, and He's in you, and He cares about you. And God is moving in you so that even when you aren't sure what's going to happen next or what the right thing to do is, I want you to know beyond a shadow of a doubt, the Holy Spirit is going to take over when you're living in faith. Now, what that doesn't mean, as we see here, is that everything is going to be okay. You're never going to have a hardship. Nothing's ever going to go wrong. In fact, he tells the disciples just the opposite. That's why later in John 14, 15, 16, right before Jesus is arrested and crucified, he lets them know, listen, remember, you did not choose me, I chose you. He wants them to know, I have chosen you. But I've chosen you for this purpose. I've chosen you for this reason. Do not back down. Do not be afraid. Be strong. Be courageous. Courage is a really big deal to God. Throughout the Bible, we see people back down in, in fear and not live in faith and do what is pleasing to him. If you were to read a revelation and we learn about those who are cast out and cast aside from God, we see all these things like swindlers and liars and evildoers. And one of the things that's listed there are those who didn't have courage. Sometimes it's hard in this life to have courage. And Jesus is preparing them. Things are going to happen to you. In fact, look at verse 24. Verse 24. The student is not above the teacher. Nor a servant above his master. It is enough for students to be like their teachers and servants like their masters. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebul, how much more the members of his household? In other words, Jesus is trying to say, it's very simple, but what he's trying to say is, Jesus is going around healing people. He's making the blind see and the deaf hear and the lame walk. He's healing people of leprosy. He's raising people from the dead. And those who don't have faith, many of the religious teachers, not all of them, but many of them are looking and saying, he's doing it by the power of Beelzebub, which is a way in their day for just to simplify the issue. It's a way for them to say, he's doing it by the power of Satan. And Jesus in those moments when he's accused of that, he looks, looks at them and says, how could I possibly be doing this? By the power of Satan. How, how, how would that be possible? How could Satan be doing this to Satan? That wouldn't make any sense. Any house divided cannot stand. So in other words, if I'm doing this and the evil, the, the evil demons and Satan has to obey me, that means I have power over him. He is subjected to my rule and authority. And so what we're getting to here is Jesus saying, look, if they're accusing me of doing the things that I do by his power, don't you think they'll do the same to you? Don't you think they're going to treat you the same way when you live in faith and obedience to me? But notice what he says next. Verse 26 So do not be afraid of them. For there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed, or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight what is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who could destroy both soul and body in hell. This is a very hard and offensive, but true statement that we must embrace when we're talking about wrestling with fear. What Jesus is getting to in this text, and I want to be careful that we don't misapply it and make it just about the coronavirus, but it is critical that you get this. What Jesus is trying to say here is he's talking about the fear of man, the fear of man. Don't be afraid of people. When the religious leaders arrested the disciples later on in the future, When they had him flogged and thrown in jail and beaten and whipped and threatened them, stop talking about the name. They won't even say his name. I've always found that fascinating. In Acts chapters three through five, they won't even say the name. They just call it the name. Quit talking about the name. It's amazing today. Sometimes people won't even use Jesus' name unless it's in an offensive way. Don't talk about the name. You guys stop it. And they gather together and say, we can't. What are we gonna do? Listen to you or listen to God? You see, that's really what Jesus is trying to anchor in their soul. When push comes to shove, when fear rises, when you're being threatened or attacked in some way or another, will you still stay faithful to God? Or will you back down in fear and do what you're being asked to do that goes against him? Think about this for a moment Um, in your own marriage or in your own family or at work. Or maybe in your neighborhood or if you have a literal enemy and they're cruel or mean or harsh or they call you a name in some form or another, do you lash back out acting in a way that is not pleasing to your father or do you still do what is good and right before God? It's all applicable to what Jesus is trying to get to them there. Don't be afraid of anybody else. Don't have a fear of men or women. Don't be afraid of your boss. Don't be afraid of any political party or any president. Stay faithful to God. All that they can do, the worst they can do is hurt your body. God could hurt your body and your soul. And see, that rises a question for us. So can I trust God? Can I entrust my body and my soul and in my life to God? if you were to take this same uh, these same people that Jesus is talking to and fast forward their life, you would find that everything Jesus says to them actually happens to them. Some of them, a couple of them, are recorded in the Bible, but most of them are recorded in Christian history. And if you were to read about it, you'll find almost every single one of the apostles are either beheaded or run through with a sword or stabbed with a spear. Uh, Many of them are killed. In fact, the only one who isn't is John, the apostle John. He's boiled in a vat of oil, but he didn't die. He's exiled to the island of Patmos. He's finally released from the island of Patmos where he dies as an old man. He's the only one of the apostles who died peacefully, but it's only because he failed to die when Nero tried to kill him in that way. Paul, same thing. Matthias, same thing. Uh, James, the half-brother of Jesus, same thing. So everything Jesus told them would happen, happened to them. Can I entrust my life to God? In fact, let me ask you this way. What do I do when life doesn't work the way I hoped? And I'm legitimately afraid. Let's start to apply some of this now to our own lives. Because Most of you today aren't going to face somebody coming at you with a sword or a spear, even a gun, because you believe in Jesus. I know some predict that day is going to come in America. I don't know. I just know that it isn't happening by and large here today in America. But it does happen in many parts of the world still today. In fact, a couple years ago, one of our mission teams went to visit our missionaries in, in India, And one of my friends got to preach while he was there. He even asked the group, they had a a group of pastors gathered, roughly 70 pastors from India. Many of these pastors have two and three churches travel all day on Sundays, different hours and hours and hours to preach at the different churches. And he asked them, you know, how many of you have either faced persecution or been threatened or your family's been threatened because of your belief in Jesus Christ? And he said almost every single one of their hands went up. So he thought, you know, he clarify the question. He added a little clarity to the question and still almost every single hand went up. And he said, I almost lost it right there on stage because I realized in my, thank God, American little bubble, I had no idea the context for what they were dealing with every single day because of their faith in Jesus Christ. Praise God for the country we live in. Even for all the brokenness and issues that are going on in America, praise God for the country we live in. But still, what if it's cancer? What if it's a coronavirus? Or what if it's my job? Or what if it's my company? What do I do when life doesn't work the way I hoped, the way I planned, the way I thought it would work? And now I'm legitimately afraid. That takes us to Matthew chapter 11, where we actually see everything Jesus said and the way it's carried out in the life of a great man. Here we go. Matthew chapter 11, verse 2. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? Now, the John here is John the Baptist or John the baptizer. John is the one who was sent by God before Jesus to prepare the way. What that means is he went out literally into the aired places around the Jordan River and he started to proclaim the good news that God was sending the Messiah. The day had finally come. The hundreds and even thousands of years of all the prophecies are coming true in their day. So get ready, prepare your hearts. And people came in droves to meet with John and be baptized by him. They repented and returned to God. He was saying, get your life cleaned up. God is doing a new thing right here, right now in this day. But now John has been arrested and he's in prison. So he takes his disciples and he sends them to Jesus and he asks them, are you the one? In other words, don't miss what he's saying. I'm confused, Jesus. Like I stood out in the desert, literally wearing uncomfortable clothing, literally wearing animal hairs, usually turned inside out. So the rough part of their hairs were against their skin. This is normal prophetic clothing. It was a way for the prophets to show sorrow and grief and repentance. I'm not going to enjoy the comfortable lifestyle of fine linens and great food. I'm going to live an uncomfortable life to call people to a right relationship with God. And it says he ate locust and honey. And he's saying, I'm out here, I'm doing this, and I've suffered, and now I'm in jail, and it's not looking good. The prognosis is not good. Jesus, I thought you were going to come and set up your kingdom and be a king. Are you the one? Or should we be waiting for someone else? In other words, I'm confused, God. I'm confused, Jesus. Where are you? What are you doing? I told you last week, Jesus is absolutely confident in who he is, where he comes from, and where he is going. And that's crucial for you and for me because Jesus' confidence in where he's going gives us what we need when our fears take away our confidence. Take a look at Matthew chapter 11, verse 4. Jesus replies to these disciples of John the Baptist, Go back and report to John what you hear and see the blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the good news is proclaimed to the poor, blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Now let's just hang there for a second. What Jesus just did is he took a smattering of verses out of Isaiah, Isaiah 35, Isaiah 61, and a couple others, and smashed them all together and, and basically kind of summarized them here for John's disciples. A few things to note. What Jesus is doing, first of all, is when Jesus is faced with pressure, he quotes scripture he does this over and over and over again. It's so beautiful. We see it in Luke 4 when he's literally tempted by Satan. He's taken out into the wilderness and fasts for 40 days, 40 nights. And he's tempted and he answers Satan. Every time Satan tempts him, he doesn't yell at Satan like we see in movies and things today. Christians yelling and telling Satan where he's going to go. No, no, no. He just quotes scripture to him. He just quotes scripture. Jesus is hanging on the cross and he quotes scripture. Jesus is being arrested and tried. He quotes scripture. Jesus is being questioned. He quotes scripture. Here, Jesus is being questioned even by a faithful believer, the cousin, his own half-cousin. And he quotes scripture. Because what is in Jesus is what comes out of Jesus when Jesus is pressured. And the same will be true for you. When fear rises its ugly head and says, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, you can't. Trust God or entrust yourself to God. What is in you is what will come out of you. And so if what you currently have stored up in your storehouse of self is your own energy, your best days, your best efforts, you are going to find they aren't enough. Jesus always finds scripture, and he quotes it back to John's disciples. But there's something he leaves out. In Isaiah 61, he, he, he quotes all of the pieces in there but he leaves out the part about the prisoners being set free. He's letting John know you're not getting out. It's it's a little clue to John. So what does that mean? I mean, John's done nothing but be faithful to God in his ministry and in his life. But you're not going to get out, John. And that's why Jesus closes with, blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. What Jesus is trying to say is very simple. It's very clear. But what he's attempting to say is, John, and all of you out there, I sure hope that when I don't do what you think I ought to do, you don't quit. Blessed is everyone who does not stumble on account of me. In other words, even when the coronavirus takes your life or a family member's life. Even when your company closes, all of your dreams are shattered. The shame and the embarrassment that may come with that. Even if you end up unemployed and not sure how you're gonna pay your own bills. Blessed is everyone who does not stumble on account of me. The reason we can have freedom in our doubt. That's why I titled this that. It's not because as believers having faith means never having doubt. John had doubt. The disciples had doubt. Many times Jesus asks the disciples a very hard and probing question, where is your faith? Jesus had doubt as he goes into the garden. and He says, Father, take this cup from me, but not my will be done. Your will be done. Fear is real and it's okay to be afraid. And it's even okay to have momentary doubt, but it's what we do with it that changes everything. Notice Matthew chapter 11, verse seven. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. So now the disciples are going back to John to report and Jesus says, why did not you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? In other words, the wind blows and the reed just goes with it. That's not John. John wasn't a weak man. Don't think because his disciples just came back here and reported his doubt that that is a man who has doubt. That man is not a reed swayed by the wind. If not, what did you go to see? A a man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. He wore uncomfortable clothing. Don't doubt this man. Then what did you go out to see, a prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is one about whom it is written. I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. That's a quote from an Old Testament text. I believe it's in Micah. And it's a prophecy that before Jesus came, one would go before him who would prepare the way of the people. And that was what John the Baptist did. But don't miss what Jesus is saying about John the Baptist. Jesus is saying, just because this man is doubting, he has fear in his trial. That doesn't mean it takes away from who he is at his core. In fact, I would go so far as to say doubt doesn't change our identity. Doubt doesn't change our identity. Everything I told you in the first couple weeks of this series, your identity is anchored to Christ. That's true. Just because you have doubts right now, fears, legitimate ones perhaps, doesn't change who you are in Jesus Christ. But it could. If your doubts start to scream louder than your faith, If your fears start to win the day, we must let the truth of who God is become our anchor. In fact, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 11, Truly I tell you, among those born of women there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. John the Baptist was technically the last of the Old Testament prophets because Jesus has not yet died on the cross and rose from the dead. And he's the greatest of all of them, greater than Elijah, greater than Moses, greater than Elisha, greater than David, greater than them all. And yet every single person who comes to Jesus Christ today is greater than he. Why? Because you will have experienced the kingdom of God in you by the power of Jesus Christ. Now, I want to show you two last things that are important for our time today. Matthew chapter 11, verse 18. Jesus says, John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, here's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Now, what he's saying here is, it doesn't really matter what I do. You come like John, everybody says he's not from God. I come, John and I are completely opposite in the way we approached our ministries, and yet, People say he's not from God and I'm not from God. In other words, if you follow after me, don't be surprised that people don't believe in you. But then he says, but wisdom is proved right by her deeds. People called Jesus a fool. People said while Jesus was hanging on the cross that he couldn't be from God, that he had to be a fake, that it wasn't real. God would not allow the Messiah to do this. And yet when he died on the cross and he rose from the dead, he showed them wisdom is proved right by her deeds. In other words, if you're out there and you're struggling with faith in the midst of the storm, I want you to look at one crucial thing. Look at the cross, look at the resurrection. If Jesus rose from the dead, Paul comes to this realization in 1 Corinthians 15. If Jesus rose from the dead, then so will you who have faith in him. In other words, what's going on in this life is as important as what goes on in the next life. Faith believes in the end, even when the middle is confusing. We know that on our last day, we will be rose from the dead. We know that on our last day, God will take the worst of this world and he'll make it good again. And there'll be no more crying and there'll be no more suffering and there'll be no more tears and there'll be no more pain and backstabbing and lies and deceit and immorality. It'll all be done away with. So we hang on to our faith in the midst of the fear and we trust that the end will be worth it. But if it's only about the end, What about today? Well, let's go back to Matthew chapter 10, and I'll close with this, verse 29. Jesus says, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your Father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. So what's he saying? Well, it was common in that day to have a marketplace and they would sell animals. And some of the animals would be sold for sacrifice. But he's saying, and the word penny isn't the literal word there, but the whole point is sparrows are so cheap. (laughs) A phrase we would use today, they're a dime a dozen. You can go right now to the marketplace. You can buy two sparrows for a penny. They're so cheap. But did you know that when you're buying those sparrows in the marketplace that God knows every single one of them? That's how much he cares for his creation. But did you know that you're worth way more than a sparrow? There's an old song, His Eyes on the Sparrow. And the whole point of that song is to say, and if he cares about a sparrow, and they're so common and they're so cheap and they're so insignificant, but not you, oh precious one. You were made in his image. You're a child of God, loved, cared for, and adored by him. Not just at the end of this life, at the resurrection, but right here, right now, today. He cares for you. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. If I could give you one piece of advice as we close today. Doubt is natural as a byproduct of fear but don't let your doubts overcome your faith. You will find freedom in this life when you learn to fear God above all else. Give him your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength and then watch him take care of you like he cares for sparrows. Listen, I don't know where you are right now or what's going on in your life, but we wanna come alongside you. If you're ready to give your life to Jesus, make a decision for him, if you just need prayer or you got something going on in your heart and in your home you need help with, we want you to text 317-565-4911. Fill out the form that comes to you and we will reach back out and help you in any way we can. Between now and then, I just want you to be able to say with the rest of us, God, yes, I will trust you even when I don't know what you're doing next.